Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Amen. We could have just kept doing that, I guess, till Jesus comes back. If you guys want to keep going, I'll just go sit back down. Um, thanks for serving us that way. So we are looking today at Psalm 16. So if you want to turn to it, scroll to it, just listen to me, read it, whatever you want to do, go ahead. But let me read it for us as we continue in this little series that we're in. So it says, a mictum of David, protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. As for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. The sorrow of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offering of blood. I will not speak their names with my lips. Lord, you are my portion. You are my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who counsels me even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I will always let the Lord guide me because he's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices and my body also rests securely for you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You have revealed to me the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. And at your right hand are eternal pleasures. Now, something that I hear Pastor Sean say a lot is, as a people, we always want to be looking up. And what he means by that is you want to take your eyes off your circumstances. You want to take your eyes at what's going on around you. And you want to, as quickly as possible, get them on God. And that is what David does in this song. He focuses on God and he comes away full of confidence. That's why the title of the message is, we can be confident in God. He is full of confidence. You don't believe me, just look at verse eight. He says, I will always let the Lord guide me. Why? Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. I will not be, you say it, that's right. I love it when you talk. Now, this phrase, at my right hand, is actually really important. Because in battle, in this time, warriors used to carry their shield on their left side. And they would fight with their right hand. So when David says, the Lord is at my right hand, what he is saying is, God is with me in the battle of life. God is actually fighting the battle for me, is what he's saying. 
And that is why we can be confident. God was with David in the battle, and he's also with us. That's why the takeaway from the message is we can be confident. God is with us, so we can be confident. So David knows some things about God. He knows God is with him, but he also knows some other things during the text. He knows God is sovereign. Look at verse one. Protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. David knows God is the one who takes care of him. Now, what's important is in our English translation, you don't see what's going on here, but in the Hebrew, there's something important. In verse one, he calls God Adonai. That's why you see it there said, he says, protect me, God. That's the word Adonai, it means master. But in verse two, he calls God Yahweh. He says, you are my Yahweh. That name speaks of God's self-existence. It speaks of the reality that God is faithful. It also speaks of the reality that God is present at all times in all places. That's why he prays to him. David knows God is with me. So he says, protect me, oh God. And he teaches us the way to start every day. That we get up and we say, God, protect me. God, watch over me. God, protect me from being a people-pleasing kind of person. God, protect me from discouragement. God, protect me from fear-based living, where fear drives my actions instead of faith. Protect me from that. God, protect me from being prideful and entitled. There's such, we live in such an entitled time. I won't even get into that too much, but we should just pray and ask the Lord to do that in us. He knows God is sovereign. That's why I look in verse five. What did he say? He says, you hold my future. That's an acknowledgement of the sovereignty of God. He says, you hold my future. David knows that when it comes to his life, your life, my life, God decides, God guides, God rules. He is in charge. And here's the thing. The doctrine of God's sovereignty is a gift from God to you. For God to tell us that. The doctrine of God's sovereignty is a nice pillow to rest your head on every night. God is in charge. It helps us. Here's how. The Heidelberg Catechism says it like this. It helps us to be patient in adversity, like the times we're in. Thankful in prosperity. Some of us are experiencing that. And for what is future, have good, there it is, confidence in our faithful God and Father. Watch this. That no creature shall separate us from his love. Why? Since all creatures are so in his hand that without his will, they cannot so much as move. God is in charge. That should give you some peace in your life. That shouldn't give you confidence for the days to come. He also knows that God is enough. Again, look at verse five. You, Lord, are my portion, my cup of blessing. Notice that, my my portion, my cup. The way Hanny knows he has a daughter and a wife. David knows he has God. God is his personal possession. See, when you put your faith in God, you know what he does? He gives himself to you. Sometimes we forget that. That is a, how come nobody said amen to that? That is a gospel benefit. You get God. We didn't have God before, separated from God. Now he gives himself to you. Gospel benefit, you have God. That's why he says in verse six, the boundary lines have fallen from me in pleasant 
places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. That word inheritance is talking about God. Now, that phrase, you're like, it kind of feels a little weird, but it actually takes you back to the book of Joshua. See, when the people went, got into the promised land, when the land promise was fulfilled, they divided up the land. Everybody got a little bit. Shayon helped me with this. Everybody got a little bit, except the Levites. Do you know why? Because their portion was God. They got God. They're like, I have God. I don't need anything else. And you know what they said? The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. They declared, like David here, their satisfaction with God. I'm good with what I got. That's what they said. Now, this right here challenges you and I. You know what it does? It forces you to ask yourself the question, am I satisfied with God? Is God enough for me? Or do I have to have God in a bunch of other things? And if I don't have those things, then I have no joy. It challenges you. I'm not telling you that that's the way you're behaving, but it forces you to ask yourself that question. Am I satisfied with the Lord? He declares his contentment. Now, you might be sitting there and you're like, okay, question. Are you saying if I lack essential needs that I'm just supposed to be content? No. If you lack food, clothing, shelter, company, ask for help. Ask for help. Again, we're not perfect at this, but we're trying to work at it. We want to be a church family that helps one another. But sometimes some of you aren't speaking up. I say that with love. And then you're over there mad at everybody. And you're like, why are you mad? Nobody knows what's going on. I feel comfortable so I can talk plain to you because I love you. But speak up. If you're lonely, tell somebody. What, am I supposed to just guess that? No, I can't. Let me keep going. But we want to help. We wanna, and I don't mean that in a harsh way. I'm just saying that's the way we're going to help and love one another. But you got to talk. And yes, we have to be you know, looking and paying attention. Let's balance that. But speak. It's okay. Feel free that way. He knows it's wise to stay loyal to God. Look at verse four. He says, the sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offering of blood. I will not speak their name with my lips. There's people around David serving false gods. He's like, I'm not doing that. He refuses. He won't even mention their name. And what you have here is a brother who is swimming upstream. He is living against the grain. And here's something that you should see in the text. He exposes what some people in our culture won't admit that life apart from God is not all joy. The sorrows, no, see it in the text. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. It's not all joy. Frank Sinatra said, I did it my way. But you know what he also said? Regrets, I've had a few. <laughs> At least he's honest that way. Sometimes when you're away from the Lord, it's not all joy. There's sorrow, there's pain. There's struggle, and if you're in that place, the Lord can help. Also, he loves the people of God. He says, look at verse three. 
As for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. See, here David knows that being loyal to God means also being loyal to his people. He delights in the people of God. He knows they're a work in progress, right? The people of God have not arrived. We are in process, but he's like, all my delight is in them. David's attitude should convict the person who's ready to just give up on the church. And there's a little bit too much of that going on lately. But he's like, I'm, I'm sticking with the people of God. They're, they're messy. They make mistakes. But my delight is in them. I'm going to be loyal. I'm going to stay around. I'm going to speak the truth in love. I'm not just going to just pack and go somewhere else as soon as one of my desires is not met. Loves them. Verse 7. It says, I will bless the Lord who counsels me at night. When my thoughts trouble me, David's thoughts troubled him. And I bet they did, right? When he's running for his life, hiding in caves, brother throwing spears at him, his son turns against him. I bet sometimes your thoughts trouble you. When you're laying on your bed, maybe when you're doom scrolling, seeing what's going on, it's just, I don't even look at the news sometimes because it's just like beyond depressing. All bad news. Maybe when you think about the cost of living, when you hear about the national debt, I don't even know what it is, but somebody told me the other day it's real big. <laughs> when you have a good desire that's going unmet, when you're dealing with loneliness, when you see other believers behaving badly, when you look into the face of an ill child or, or an ill family member or a friend, your thoughts start to trouble you. When there's differences between you and a member in the church, in the church family, you're, you're sitting there and you're troubled by your thoughts. Our thoughts trouble us, but I want you to know that there's a word here to help us. Look at verse seven. I will bless the Lord who counsels me. Verse eight. I will always let the Lord guide me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. See, God gives us advice for the challenges of the present. He helps us. David says, I will always let the Lord guide me. Now, if you have a footnote in your Bible, just go down to it. It says, the literal, in my, in my, I have a CSB, so I have a little footnote at the bottom. The literal translation of this is, I place the Lord in front of me always. I put God in front of me always. Now you're like, how do you do that? How do I get God in front of me always? It's by the word. This is how you get God in front of you always. This is how you receive advice for the challenges of life. God speaks to us. And as we listen to the word, as we pray through the word, as we talk to other believers about the word, God counsels us. He guides us and helps us navigate those challenging waters that we call life. That's how you get the Lord in front of you. And he helps us through difficult, complicated things. Now, I want to answer a question, which is, is this text saying you should never see a counselor outside the church? If you're struggling with something, working through something, is, that, is it saying that? No, it's not saying that. Right? We give thanks to God for good, solid counselors, believers and unbelievers who do it well. But here it is, what, it, what you always have to do. You need to always check what they say to you 
against sound theology and the commands of scripture. Who's with me? Right? I wish I had a church that said amen all the time. Check what they say against the word of God. Right? We thank God for counselors, but they're not God. And we have a perfect inerrant word that doesn't have a verse on everything, but has wisdom for everything. Let me just say that real plain. Amen? My man over there. Verse nine, let me keep going. Therefore, my heart is glad. One of my sons sighed, I better hurry up. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices and my body rests securely. So what you see here, look at, look at what David says. My heart is glad. See the words? My whole being rejoices. My body rests securely. The brother's feeling good. Now you should say, Why? Yes, why does he, here it is, verse 10. For you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. He feels good because God gives us assurance about our life in the future. My whole being rejoices. Now that phrase, Sheol, should be, could be translated grave. David says, God, he's confident. God will not leave him there. Notice it says, you will not let your faithful one see decay. Now that word faithful one is talking about a somebody who is consistently loyal to God. They, when God says something, they do it. They have a love for God in their heart that, that's never compromised. Now, if you know David, you know that's not him. Right? You, if you've read your Bible, when he should have been at war, what's that brother doing? He's laying on his couch and commits adultery. Then he murders the husband of, of, the, of, of, of the wife, Uriah. Terrible thing. Tricks him, brings him back. Tries to get him drunk. So he would go home and, and be intimate with his wife and cover his sin. This guy is not the faithful one. When his kids were sinning, what was he doing? Ignoring their sin. David, right? We don't like people who's always talking about themselves, right? Giving us their resume. Here's what I did the other day. Here's the vacation. I, like, come on, leave the party. <laughs> we don't like that person, right? But you don't have to be upset with David here because David is not talking about himself when he says the faithful one. He is talking about Jesus. He is the faithful one. Look at Acts. I don't even know the reference. Two, here it is. Brothers and sisters, I can confidently speak to you about the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried. And his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God has sworn an oath to him to seat one of his descendants on his throne, seeing what was to come. He spoke. David is being prophetic here. He spoke, the, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah, Jesus. He was not abandoned to Hades, and in his flesh, he did not experience decay. Jesus resurrected. He is alive. David's words point to the true faithful one. And here's the thing. His resurrection guarantees your resurrection. 
His resurrection guarantees your future life. His resurrection should give you all kinds of peace. Nothing, no one can do anything that can stop your future guaranteed reality. Let me show you. Because Jesus lives, we will live. Give me the the next one, Eddie. Jesus said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, even if he or she dies, will live. Your resurrection is guaranteed. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And here's the question. Do you believe this? Because sometimes we read our Bibles and we think it's like a fairy tale. That is just something being, oh, that's nice to hear. Jesus puts the question to them. And he puts the question to us. Do you believe this? Because when you believe this, it changes the way you live. It changes the way you live in a time where death is around. And death is going to be around until Jesus comes back. But our resurrection is guaranteed. And it says, do you believe this? David's future, your future, my future is beautiful. Look at verse 11. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence, where we will be one day, is abundant joy. Read it. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Your future is beautiful and bright and it's guaranteed, it's secure. So here's the thing though. How does this help us now? So Marv, you've told us where we're going. You told us what's to come. You told us that God is with us, that we can be confident, that some things are secure. But I still got to live here, brother. So how does it help? How does it help to know this? Here's how it helps. It helps us to be satisfied with God. That maybe in this life, I won't get all my needs met, but I have God and he should be enough for me. I can be satisfied with him. Yes, all my needs may not get met, but in the future, there will be eternal pleasure forevermore. It helps us to be loyal to God. There's always going to be temptation to turn and walk away, but you hold on to your faith and you serve God alone. And listen to me when I say this. When you choose to be loyal to God, especially in this culture, you are swimming upstream. You are going against the grain. People are going to dislike you. They're going to mock you, all that kind of stuff. They might even throw you in jail. That, that's a possibility. And you got, we got to be ready for those sorts of things, swimming upstream. But here's the thing. When you choose to live for God, it's wise. Remember, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. It's wise and it's worth it. Your future is beautiful. And also balance that with loyalty to God means you're loyal to his people. So you help the people of God. You serve them. You speak the truth and love to them. You practice hospitality. You welcome them in. You create margin in your life so that if somebody just shows up at random and an interruption's there, you can say, I'm good. Come on, let's talk. Sit down. And you live that sort of life. And that is a way that the church is a nice glue and healthy. You stay loyal to God. Here's the other thing. You, it helps us to be confident in God. Helps us to be confident in God. Remember what he says. God is at my right hand. God is with you in the battle of life. He is helping you in the present and he promises to take care of us in 
the future. And so we can say, I'm going to read this like Job. Here's what Job says. Job 19. I know that my Redeemer lives. Brothers, you can come up. I know that my Redeemer lives. Even after my skin has been destroyed, even after my skin has been destroyed, yet I will see God in my flesh. I will see him myself. My eyes will look at him and not as a stranger, as a child of the king welcomed into the family who will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Stand with me and let's pray. God, we give you glory. Lord, you are worthy of all of our praise. God, you are good. You are the everlasting God who we can set our hope on, who we can be completely confident in. Father, you never leave us to ourselves. We pray, Lord, that you would be magnified in our life. We pray that your word would give us such peace. Calm our fears. Give us confidence as we take steps into tomorrow. God, I've said a lot of things. I pray that what you want, Lord, to hold to a heart, that it would do that. God, I pray that as we lift our voice and sing now, God, it would be from a place where we truly believe what we are singing, that we would be filled with confidence, that your name would be exalted in our life, that we would be rejoicing in you, that our hearts, like David, would be glad that our being, our whole body would rest secure because of what you've said to us in the scriptures. There's so many things, Lord, that we can look to to find hope and confidence in. Lord, those things are not you. I pray that you would be the only thing that we would look to, that our confidence would come from you alone. You are with us, God. You are at our right hand. Help us to not, help us to not, help us to not be shaken. And this will be a source of light, God, to people around us who many of them are shaken. But God, by the way we live, we can show that there is a king, a true king, who gives a supernatural peace to the people who trust him. Thank you for being with us. Help us to be confident, we pray in Jesus' name. I pray we'd lift our voice now. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.